0: turn to first john if you would tonight before we get started we're going to pray for the lardies because their kids got sick i think food poisoning i was told and weren't doing well De- dehydrated took them and mari the worst i think to the emergency room and i think they're going to keep him overnight because he's so dehydrated but we're going to pray for them and uh, then we'll look into god's word so let's pray together lord We're just thankful tonight that you know everything that happens in our lives and you're well aware of their situation in the hospital. It can be unnerving as parents when our children are so little and something goes so wrong. Father, we know that you can bring healing. All you have to do is say the word. And we pray that you might see fit in your sovereign pleasure to bring restoration and health. Father, we know that you have timing is all yours, and the lessons that you want them to not miss, those are all yours. I pray that they would draw closer to you because of it, that their faith would grow stronger, that their Christ-likeness would be deeper, and even this, in this place, and this time, might be opportunity for witness for you. Use that in their lives, and we'll thank you for what you're pleased to do. In Jesus' name, amen. The reality we've been saying in our series on total commitment, the reality of our commitment to Jesus is demonstrated by our conformity to Jesus. And I want to add a principle to that tonight and then prove it to you from this book in First John. And that is this, the reality of your conversion to Jesus is also demonstrated by the reality of your conformity to him. So, in saying that, I want to explode a myth tonight. And I want to say it to you a number of different ways so you're clear on what I'm saying. Believing in Jesus, here's the myth. Believing in Jesus is essential. Behaving like Jesus is optional. And there'll be a lot of people who say, you can be a Christian, but you don't have to be a disciple. And I want to tell you that's not true. I can say, some would say, I can say that I love Jesus without ever having to ever be like him. I can expect to be where he is someday, but not expect to be like him as he is today. As someone else has said, and this is true, eternal life starts now. Um, John, who wrote the first epistle of John, the book of Revelation, of course, as well, and the gospel, he knows all about the importance of what it means to be like Jesus. He was in a very close rabbi-disciple relationship with Jesus for over three years. He knows this in first century Judaism, that when you have a rabbi, your greatest desire and aim is two things, is to know everything he knows and to do everything that he does, which is why Peter got out of the boat when they walked on water, not because he was brash, but because a disciple thinks this, if my Lord and master can walk on water, I can too. And he was the number one disciple. And so he gets out and he wants to walk on the water because Jesus, he believes he can do what Jesus does or he wants to anyways and for a while he does. John calls himself in the gospel of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And if you read those five texts where that name or title occurs, it's in the latter half of the book. It's in chapter 13 on, which we call the book of glory or the passion narrative. And the reason why he only calls himself that disciple whom Jesus loved in the back half is to demonstrate or express to us the impact that the cross of Jesus had on his life. I mean, really, for, for John, as a, as a disciple, a Talmud it would say of Jesus, see, the cross of Jesus changed everything. It, and I mean what he actually thought It meant to be like Jesus. John loved Jesus and he says in his epistle because Jesus first loved him and I believe by that he's not being generic. I think he's talking about a cross love. He knew that to be like Jesus would not be easy, but he knew it was absolutely necessary if you really claim to follow him. In fact, John puts in his gospel two times, you don't have to turn there, but you might want to read them for yourself, not just once, but twice, in Jesus' final discourse, which is chapter 13 through 17 in John's gospel, he records Jesus telling him on this long walk from the inner part of Jerusalem, where they had the supper, all the way up the hill of Mount Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane, they have this talk together, and Jesus is teaching them, and two times he says this, remember, the servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted you, so they'll persecute they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. In other words, please be like me, and in doing so, expect to be treated like me. So he says it to him twice. It's a very powerful principle that he wanted them to base their lives on. And then also, in John 17, Jesus is, as called, high priestly prayer, his last formal prayer that we know of this is what he prays twice in verses 14 and 16 of chapter 17 they are not of this world listen just as i am not of this world so in his prayer he's praying for his disciples to live in the world the same way that he did he's praying for it to happen so you could say and i think it would be legitimate wouldn't it that john believes this from his gospel that jesus lived prayed and died so that we could be like him So John would say, if you read his gospel, he would say, it's not just optional to be like Jesus, it's really what being saved is all about. And so tonight I would tell you this, if you have been transformed by Jesus, you will also be conformed to Jesus. As a little side note, the word conformed, the apostle Paul uses it, and he uses it only two times in the book of Romans, and they're profound, because in chapter 8 and verse 29, he says, That if we are saved and all things work together for good, and that doesn't mean everything in your life, every circumstance. It means everything that has to do with your salvation in the context. It's all going to work together for good. And what is that good? He says, because you have been predestined, predestined as part of your salvation. You know what part of it is? That at the end, you'll be conformed to the image of his son. You see, being like Jesus is the final goal of being saved. God saved you, called you in the text, predestined you. Why? So that in the end, you can be completely like his son. The only other use of conformity in Romans 12, you know that text probably way better. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, there's a negative and polar opposite, po- negative and positive aspect. Conformity in life is to be conformed to Jesus and at the same time not to be conformed to the world. And isn't that what Jesus prayed in John 17? Don't They're not of the world and neither am I. And I. I'm not and neither are they. So here's what he says. When you're conformed to Jesus, that means you will not be conformed to the world. See, there's a difference. There's a change in your life that's taken place. And so being in Christ will be demonstrated in being like Christ. So I believe if you put... John's gospel together, and all that he thought about following Jesus, and what that meant for his life, what you get is 1 John. 1 John, in one way, is the outworking of all that he wrote in John's gospel, and what it means to be like Jesus, and that is why, if you read 1 John, you'll find that it is filled with little sayings and excerpts from what he wrote that Jesus said in his gospel, because what John is doing For you is taking some of the main things that Jesus taught and was all about and telling you how that you must live like it. And so that's what we're looking at tonight. We're going to look at it. If you have a pen, I would invite you to take notes and circle in your Bible if you do that. Five times this little phrase is going to be used. And I believe these little three words are what it means to be like Christ according to this epistle. Those three little words are as he is. In other words, here's what he is, and that's what you should be. Okay. The power of them is what they say about being like Jesus. So we're going to unpack them one at a time. There are five of them, and so we can't spend a lot of time on any one of them. But we're pr- So this is going to be a big Bible study, and maybe a quicker Bible study than we'd like. But I want to see the power of what he says in these verses. The first one, 1 John 1. Let me read verse 5 through 7. This is the message. We've heard from him and proclaimed to you. Now see, here's what God is. Not just what he does, but what he is. So this is his essence, not just some action. God is light. Remember this phrase. And in him is no darkness at all. That's what God is like. That's what Jesus is like. Now in the text, let me frame it out for you. There are... Five if phrases, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Three of them have this little same phrase, if we say, six, eight, and ten. If we say, if we say, if we say. Now, he does it again later on in chapter two in verses four through 10. He does it two or three more times. And what he's getting at, listen, is this, is that we have to see through the dichotomy of verbal likeness, and visual likeness. It is one thing just to say, I'm like Jesus or I know Jesus. But it's, another, it's quite another thing to authenticate it by actually living like he lived. And so we would say, Christianese, right? You have to have your walk match your talk. That's what we say. And that's actually literally words that he says. It. If we talk, if we say, then you better walk it. Right? So here's what he says in our verse. If we say, verse 6, we have fellowship. Remember verse 3, 2 and 3 define what that means. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness. See, they're antithetical. They can't go together because of who God is. We lie and do not practice the truth. So you can, it's possible to say one thing and do another, and that is a lie. But, see the contrast. But in in opposite of that, if we, here we go again, if we walk in the light, not darkness, but if we walk in the light, here's our phrase, as he is in the light, what's the standard of it? Well, the way that Jesus walked in it. See, if if we do that in opposite of the darkness, then we do really have fellowship, not just with God, notice he says with one another, and Jesus' blood cleanses us from all sin, So the confidence, hear me, the confidence that our fellowship both vertically and horizontally is actually real is based on how you walk. Not because John ever or the Bible ever teaches that what you do in your life or how you walk earns or merit God's favor or grace. That is absolutely not true. But if you are in him and you have fellowship with him, you will demonstrate it. By the way that you walk. So I joke around. That means all of us should be walkers. All right, good. We walk in the light as he is in the light. So then to answer that fully, which we don't have time tonight to do, you'd have to go see all the verses that Jesus talks. And you know John's gospel starts out about in the beginning and, and, the, and light shined in the darkness. Well, you know what he's talking about. He's not talking about the literal physical creation, that Genesis. He talks about a new spiritual creation. He knows that Jesus is the light. And when he came into the world, right, he says the darkness could not overcome it. Even when they killed him in the darkness for a number of hours on the cross, everything went dark. See, the dark couldn't vanquish him. That's the way that he is in the light. In other words, you can't be in the light and be overcome by darkness It can't be the pattern of your life. It can't be that you are constantly living as if there is no light. He says, if that's what you say, but not what you do, you're lying to yourself. Now listen, I want you to know up front in all these verses, as he is, as it was in verse 7, it's not a perfect likeness. It's a patterned likeness. God is light, verb. It's his essence we can't be that in attributes if you look up systematic theology there are two kind of attributes of god there are communicable and incommunicable attributes communicable means ones that you can actually be like god he is wisdom you can have wisdom right and there's things but there are incommunicable ones the things that describe his essence that make him god you can't be like that not totally but only partially. And here's what John is saying. God is light. And in one sense, it's incommunicable. You can't be, in your essence, fully light because you're sinful and not perfect. But you can be like him. You can be like that light that he has. Chapter 2, if you look there real quickly, and we'll move on. Verses 8-10 through 10 give us an idea of what that light is like. At the same time, Verse 8 of chapter 2, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because, see, the darkness is already passing away, and the true light is already shining. What does that mean? Whoever says, there it is again, he is in the light, but hates his brother is in darkness. So here's what he means. If you're in the light, how would you know, Pastor Walker, if I'm in the light as he is in the light? Because there's moral darkness, and there's relational darkness. It's not just that I don't do things that God doesn't like. I, don't, I also treat other Christians and other people the right way, the loving way. And that's the Jesus Shema, is it not? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and overflow to loving others as you love yourself. So here's the, here's the test. Ready? Am I in the light as he is in the light? Then I will love God supremely and others sacrificially. That's what the pattern of my life will be like. The second one, if you'll look at it, is coupled together in chapter 3. If you'll turn over to 1 John 3, and the phrase that we're looking for as he is, is in verses 2, 3, and 7, and we're going to tackle them, but let me read them all, because they are connected, and I'll show you how. 1 John 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us, see, because we're like him, because it didn't know him. He's always making those statements. He doesn't say the world won't know you, so get ready. No, he gives the reason, and he does it in so many different ways all throughout the book, and the reason is because everything that happens to Jesus should happen to us if we are like him. And that's the assumption is that we will be, and we are. That's why we're called children Of the Lord, or God. Then he says in verse 2, Beloved, watch, we are God's children, when? Now. Now notice, this is a little bracketed section. Verse 28 of chapter 2 says the same word, now, and there's, there's a reason why. Look at 2.28. I write these things, I'm sorry, it's verse 26. He says in verse 28, and now, and now, see it? Little children, See your children now. And if that's true, if you're God's child now and you should be like him now, here's what will be true of you. You will abide in him, and he tells you a number of things there. And then he tells in verse two, here's what it means to be God's child now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. We don't know altogether when Jesus comes back for the second time and we're with him forever. We don't know all that that means. We don't know yet, watch, but this is what we do know, and this is the thing he wanted to emphasize, but we know that when he does appear, watch, we shall be like him. We know what that means? Then the process will be complete. That's, it's not that we're not like him at all now, which a lot of people want to say, I know Jesus, but I'm not like him at all right now. But someday when I get to heaven, I'll be completely like him. That's a foreign concept of New Testament scripture. He says, we shall be like him. Why? Because we shall see him as, here's our phrase, as he is. Look through the Bible in numerous places, 2 Corinthians 3 and 4, a bunch of places, 2 Peter chapter 1, the transfiguration, some other. Seeing is becoming like him. The more you see him, the more you will be like him in scriptures. So in the final revelation, when we see him as fully as possible in our finiteness, he says, in that moment what has been taking place in a trajectory-like course all the way through your life on earth will be finally and completely done. We will be like him. So from now to then, there's a trajectory, and at the last part, there's a big jump into being totally like him, he says. That's what we know and can expect when he comes. Now watch, that's future conformity. That's future likeness. And what Christians, by and large, like to do is say that they prayed and asked Jesus to be their savior and the only thing they really think about or concentrate on is the future likeness when they die and go to heaven. John says you're missing it. He says, I want to do something for you between chapter 3, verse 2, and chapter 3, verse 3. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to connect your future conformity with your present conformity and tell you that you can't have the one without the other. Watch what he says. Verse 3. And everyone, so what I'm going to tell you in this verse, he says... It's not something for super saints. It's not for, for elite disciples. It's not someone who's really, really got their spiritual act together. Not just for pastors or missionaries or people who really, no. He says everyone. <laughs> everyone. Everyone what? Everyone who has this hope, thus hopes in him. What hope? The hope that you're going to see him. If you have the hope that when he comes, you're going to see him and you're going to be with him, what will be true in your life? Look at verse 3. You purify yourself, what? As There's our phrase, as he is pure. So if you have the assurance of future conformity, that when Jesus appears and you see him, and that total transformation will be complete, if that is your hope in reality, you know what also will be true right now until that day? You will be becoming more and more pure in the same way that He is pure. So there'll be in your life, not perfectly, but in a pattern way, there will be a trajectory of purity, set apartness, sanctity, holiness, He says. More and more like Him. The word same, we shall be like him, is the word that means same. We shall be the same as him. We should be the same now because we will be the same in the future. And so I wrote this down. If I will be like him later, I will also be like him now. But the converse is also true. If there is no present conformity, there will be no future conformity. They are locked together, and that's why he says we are children now. We don't become children later when you get saved, and if you have eternal life, you have it now, he says. And so to reiterate that, because, you know, repetition is always helpful, he says, let me say it to you again, so you see this in a very powerful way, in verse 7, 3-7, He says it stronger this way, and then he introduces it with the same little phrase, little children. Little children is actually the same. It's children and little children are both used in 1 John, but strangely enough, it's the same one word all the time. So I'm not sure why they put the word little in there um, necessarily, but it's used a boatload of times, but it always means the same thing. And by the way, John got that phrase, little children, from Jesus. Just read John thirteen thirty-three. He's talking to him in his final discourse, and he says, little children, I'm not going to be with you much longer. See, because John is the student, he is the Talmud of his rabbi, and he's picked up on all these Jesus phrases and all these things that Jesus said because he wants to know what his master knows, and he wants to live like his master lived. And so he says to them, let me say it to you stronger. Little children, let no one deceive you. Deceive you about what? Don't believe the lie that being like Jesus is optional. Every disciple will want to be like his master. Remember what Jesus told us? He says, let me tell you what that means. Verse 7, whoever practices righteousness is righteous. In other words, not because you say you're righteous, not that you have some sort of prayer that you prayed. No, here's what he says. If you do it, if you really live righteously, then you are righteous. And what's the standard for that? As he is, there it is again, as he is righteous. So the standard of purity, the standard of walking in the light, the standard of conformity is all modeled on the life of Jesus. John says, and that's what our aim is. That's what our focus is. And don't let anybody else tell you differently. The word practice in 1 John is used in chapter 1, verse 6, chapter 2, verse 29, and the last six uses are all in chapter 3. John is very heavy on saying this it's not those who profess their Christianity, but those who practice their Christianity that have assurance that it's real. And and, and now watch. Now he's going to say it about as strong as you possibly can. Because he says in this chapter that I want you to compare these two kinds of children. And he's going to use the word like or likeness. And he's going to use it in this chapter twice. And they are about as polar opposite comparison or contrast that you could possibly ask. We have read the first one. Look at it. Chapter 3 in verse 2. He says, we don't know. When he has appeared, we know this. We shall be, circle it, like him. Now, watch. John's not done because he wants to flip the coin over. And I want to tell you this. If you're not like Jesus, here's the only other alternative, right? In an antithetical world, there's always one choice or another. I know there's some gray, we like to think in between. But for John, it's one or the other. You're either like Jesus, or what's the other option? It's not pretty. Verse 11, for this is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Watch, we should not be like, there it is again, Cain. So here's what John says See, you're either following Jesus or you're following the devil. Now that's a hard one, isn't it? I mean, he says you're either like Christ or you're like Cain. Now here's the difference. If you love God, you're gonna love others and you won't be murdering them, whether that's metaphorical or literal. You'll be be loving them and be compassionate to them. And he says, because we know later on, no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So it matters. See, the expression of what you really are vertically is how you are horizontally. And so if you really are like Jesus, you will love him vertically, which will be demonstrated by your love horizontally. And if you're not like Jesus, you're like the devil. How will that be proven? Well, you'll show you that you're like the devil by the way that you mistreat people. <laughs> he says, what is about Cain? He says, see, in verse 12, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil. Watch. And his brothers were righteous. See, he's righteous, Abel is. Why? Because he practiced it. See, Cain is evil and of the devil. Why? Because that's what he practiced. Ready? He wants to really waken us up. Don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Who does not love abides in death, he says. So there's the difference. See, he connects it. Verses 2 and 3 and 7 have little children in them. And it also has the phrase, it's our fourth use, as he is. You're going to be righteous as he is righteous. So we're learning something, that Jesus and being conformed in him is not only the measure of our total commitment, it's also the measure of our total conversion. Jesus would say, and I'll tell you why in verse 17 of chapter 4, if you want to turn there, our last one, if you are not like him in this world, you won't be like him in the next either Let me show you what John says in the last use of our phrase, as he is, chapter 4 and verse 17. By this, now that phrase is crucial, you look it up in your own concordance, it's two words in the Greek, it's used 11 times in 1 John, 11, you know why? Because John is set up like this, by this, he's telling you, here's how you can measure the validity of your fellowship with God. Buy this, and he tells by buy this, buy this. He just lines them up 11 times throughout the book. He wants you to know that you can see the reality of someone who is really saved. And every single time out of those 11 that's used, it's always about something you're doing, practicing, something you are, the way that you live, your walk, the way you treat others. Everything about you vertically can be seen and measured horizontally. He says, so by this is not the first one. In fact, it's one of the last ones. But it's another repeated use. And here's how he says you can know. Know what? By this is love perfected or completed with us. So that, here, listen to how important being like Jesus is. Get this, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. What would give us that? Don't you want to know that? I mean, really, when you stand before God someday, let's say you die tonight and you stand before him, won't you like to stand before Jesus with confidence? Don't you want to have boldness? Now listen, I'm not going to downplay theology knowing I'm the last person who would ever do that. But you know, that's not it. That's not where the confidence in this verse comes from. It's not all the things you know and the doctrines you have down. Now let me tell you this, I think those things make you this kind of person or help do so. But how can you have confidence in the day of judgment? Because, look at the verse, fifth use, as he is, as he is, so also are we in this world. If you are not living like him now, you will not be with him later. Do you see what he's saying? Not because being like him earns it, it proves it. It's an expression of it. It's a demonstration of it. And so here's what he says. You know why you need perfect love? You know why you need to have a complete love? And I think that means complete, meaning vertical and horizontal, because if incomplete, see, there's a lot of people, I love God, but I mistreat my wife, and I really don't care about my kids, and I'm not very caring about people at church, and in general, that's not, I'm not a very selfless person See, complete love puts the vertical and the horizontal together. That's the kind of way that Jesus was in this world. And that's why he got persecuted and the world hated him and why they ended up crucifying him. See, if we don't want to have fear in judgment, we have to have the completed love. It has to be both dimensions. Why? Because here's what he says in verse 19. Because perfect or completed love casts out fear You want to get rid of the fear that when you die that you're not really right with God and you're not going to be with Him? He says, then get a completed love. Get a vertical and horizontal love that go together. Get your walk and your talk together by the Spirit of God and the grace of God. So the ground of our boldness on the day of judgment, if you want to die and have confidence when you stand before Jesus, it is a present likeness to Christ. John says we love him, what? Because he first loved us. So if Jesus loved you first, you will love him back. And John says that is the love that's completed, a Christ-like love. If you love him, you will be like him, not perfectly, but in a patterned way, he says. So let me read what one author said about this verse. And I quote, You can't live at complete odds with the character of Christ and have confidence when you stand before the Father on the day of judgment. God will not condemn people who have demonstrated their faith by their Christ-likeness. See, that's how important it is. We don't earn it, we don't merit it, but we have it because He's in us. Because, and we're in Him And his spirit's in us. So a salvation, assurance of salvation is not based on a past prayer, but on the demonstration of a present practice of being like him. And let me close with this. John does not say, so should we be in this world. No, he says, so are we. It's not an idea. It's not if you get around to it. So should we be. We should be as he is. No, it says we are. As he is. That's part of what it means to be a Christian. So, for me, as I study this, and I hope for you tonight, that you'll leave and ask yourself Am I at all like Christ? Am I at all like him now, in vertical and horizontal relationships? Do I display a growing, increasing resemblance to what he is like? Not an exact love or likeness, but an exemplary love or likeness. If so, I'll be able to have no fear, no fear to leave this world because I've been like Jesus while I was in it. The fear comes, then we don't know that with confidence, that we haven't seen the transformation in our lives, and we haven't loved the way that he loved, and that's what brings the fear because we say we like him, but we're not. And so, listen, when it comes to your own assurance, when it comes to your own life and with your kids, the answer is, does my faith in him demonstrate my likeness to him? And that's the ground of our confidence. And that's, can I say, this year in 2022 where we want to move to? We want to do that individually, we want to move to that as a church body. We want people to have a confidence because can I tell you, and we don't have time tonight, the upshoot of all of that is this, is when you live like him, amazing things happen. You will not be afraid of risk. You will not be afraid of dying. You will not be afraid of giving yourself and extending yourself and sacrificing and serving. I mean, everything changes When you become like the master, I hope that you'll join us this year in saying, That's the trajectory, that's the Jesus journey I want to be on. I don't have it all right now, and none of us do. Remember, we're progressing, we're moving toward it step by step. And the best way to do it, John would say, is we have fellowship with God and with each other. And the best way to pursue Christ's likeness is in community. And that's why we need each other in big services, and that's why we need each other in small groups because we can't be like him by ourselves. We need each other. So let's pray. Father, we're so thankful tonight for your word. That little phrase, as he is, may it be our meditation this week, may it be our prayer this week, may it be our focus, our aim this week, and every week that we might be as you are in this world. Father, we want a kind of faith that is living and active. And we want it to be both vertically and horizontally more and more and more. Father, we're not there yet. But we look forward with eagerness and expectation to the day that we will see you, when our faith will be made sight and the process will be complete. But until then, until then, help us to keep looking at you through the word that we might be more and more and more like you. And we'll thank you for that blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.